Section 2 of The Shaving of Shagpat. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Matthew Rees. The Shaving of Shagpat by George Meredith. Chapter 1, Part 2. Hardly had Shagpat spoken this when she became limp with the hearing of it. Then Shibli Bagarag slunk from the shop, but without the crowd had increased, seeing an altercation, and as he took to his heels they followed him, and there was an uproar in the streets of the city and in the air above them, as of raging genii, he like a started quarry doubling this way and that, and at the corners of the streets and open places, speeding on till there was no breath in his body, the cry still after him that he had bearded Shagpat. At last they came up with him, and belabored him each and all, it was a storm of thwacks that fell on the back of Shibli Bagarag. When they had wearied themselves in this fashion, they took him as he had been a stray bundle or a damaged bale, and hurled him from the gates of the city into the wilderness once more. Now when he was alone, he staggered a while, and then flung himself to the earth, looking neither to the right, nor to the left, nor above. All he could think was, Oh, accursed old woman! And this he kept repeating to himself for solace, as the poet says, "'Tis sure the special privilege of hate "'to curse the authors of our evil state.'" As he was thus complaining, behold the very old woman before him. And she wheezed, and croaked, and coughed, and shook herself, and screwed her face into a pleasing pucker, and assumed womanish airs, and swayed herself, like as do the full moons of the harem, when the eye of the master is upon them. Having made an end of these prettinesses, she said in a tone of soft insinuation, O youth, nephew of the barber, look upon me. Shibli Bagarag knew her voice, and he would not look, thinking, Oh, what a dreadful old woman is this! Just calling on her name in detestation maketh her present to us. So the old woman, seeing him resolute to shun her, leaned to him, and put one hand to her dress, and squatted beside him, and said, O youth, thou hast been thwacked. He groaned, lifting not his face, nor saying aught. Then said she, Art thou truly in search of great things, O youth? Still he groaned, answering no syllable. And she continued, Tis surely in sweet friendliness I ask, Art thou not a fair youth, one to entice a damsel to perfect friendliness? Louder yet did he groan at her words, thinking, A damsel, verily! So the old woman said, I wot thou art angry with me. But now look up, O nephew of the barber. No time for vexation. What says the poet? Cares the warrior for his wounds, when the steed in battle bounds? Moreover, let him who grasps the crown strip not for shame, lest he expose what gained it blow and maim. So be it with thee and thy thwacking, O foolish youth. Hide it from thyself, thou silly one. What? Thou hast been thwacked, and refusest the fruit of it, which is resoluteness, strength of mind, sternness, in pursuit of the object. Then she softened her tone to persuasiveness, saying, "'Twas written, I should be the head of thy fortune, O Shibli Bagarag, and thou'lt be enviable among men by my aid. So look upon me, and, for I know thee famished, thou shalt presently be supplied with viands and bright wines and sweetmeats, delicacies to cheer thee.' Now the promise of food and provision was powerful with Shibli Bagarag, and he looked up gloomily. 
and the old woman smiled archly at him, and wriggled in her seat like a dusty worm, and said, Dost thou find me charming, thou fair youth? He was nigh laughing in her face, but restrained himself to reply, Thou art that thou art. Said she, Not so, but that I shall be. Then she said, O youth, pay me now a compliment. Shibli Bagarag was at a loss what further to say to the old woman, for his heart cursed her for her persecutions, and ridiculed her for her vanities. At last he bethought himself of the saying of the poet, truly the offspring of fine wit, where he says, Expect no flatteries from me, while I am empty of good things. I'll call thee fair, and I'll agree thou boldest love in silken strings, when thou hast primed me from thy plenteous store. But, oh, till then a clod am I, no seed within to throw up flowers, all's drouthy to the fountain dry, to empty stomachs nature lowers. The lake was full where heaven looked fair of yore. So when he had spoken that, the old woman laughed and exclaimed, Thou art apt, it is well said. Surely I excuse thee till that time. Now listen, tis written we work together, and I know it by divination. Have I not known thee wandering, and on thy way to this city of Shagpat, where thou'lt some day sit throned? Now I propose to thee this, and tis an excellent proposal, that I lead thee to great things, and make thee glorious, a sitter in high seats, master of an event. Cried he, A proposal honourable to thee, and pleasant in the ear. She added, Provided thou marry me in sweet marriage. Thereat he stared on vacantly with a serious eye, and he could scarce credit her earnestness, but she repeated the same. So presently he thought, This old hag appeareth deep in the fountain of events, and she will be a right arm to me in the mastering of one, a torch in darkness, seeing there is wisdom in her as well as wickedness. The thwackings, sad was their taste, but they're in the road leading to greatness, and I cannot say she put me out of that road by putting me where they were. Her age, shall I complain of that when it is a sign she goeth shortly altogether? As he was thus debating, he regarded the old woman stealthily, and she was in agitation, so that her joints creaked like forest branches in a wind, and the puckers of her visage moved as do billows of the sea to and fro. And the anticipations of a fair young bride are not more eager than what was visible in the old woman. Wheedlingly she looked at him, and shaped her mouth like a bird's bill to soften it, and she drew together her dress to give herself the look of slimness, using all fascinations. He thought, "'Tis a wondrous old woman. Marriage would seem a thing of moment to her. Yet is the prophet with me, and I'll agree to it. So he said, "'Tis a pact between us, O old woman.' Now the eyes of the old woman brightened when she heard him, and were as the eyes of a falcon that eyeth game, hungry with red fire. And she looked brisk with impatience, laughing a low laugh, and saying, O youth, I must claim of thee, as is usual in such cases, the kiss of contract. So Shibli Bagarag was mindful of what is written. If thou wouldst take the great leap, be ready for the little jump. And he stretched out his mouth to the forehead of the old woman. When he had done so, it was as though she had been illuminated, as when light is put in the hollow of a pumpkin. Then said she, This is well, this is a fair beginning. Now look, for thy fortune will of a surety follow. Call me now sweet bride, and knock her at the threshold of hearts. So Shibli Bagarag sighed, and called her this, and he said, 
Forget not my condition, O old woman, and that I am nigh famished. Upon that she nodded gravely, and arose and shook her garments together, and beckoned for Shibli Bagarag to follow her, and the two passed through the gates of the city, and held on together through diverse streets and thoroughfares, till they came before the doors of a palace with a pillared entrance. And the old woman passed through the doors of the palace as one familiar to them. And lo, they were in a lofty court, built all of marble, and in the middle of it a fountain playing, splashing silvery. Shibli Bagarag would have halted here to breathe the cool refreshingness of the air, but the old woman would not, and she hurried on even to the opening of a spacious hall, and in it slaves in circle, round a raised seat, where sat one that was their lord, and it was the chief vizier of the king. Then the old woman turned round sharply to Shibli Bagarag, and said, How of thy tackle, O my betrothed? He answered, The edge is keen, the hand ready. Then said she, Tis well. So the old woman put her two hands on the shoulders of Shibli Bagarag, saying, Make thy reverence to him on the raised seat. Have faith in thy tackle, and in me. Renounce not either, whatsoever ensueth. Be not abashed, O my bridegroom-to-be. Thereupon she thrust him in, and Shibli Bagarag was abashed, and played foolishly with his fingers, knowing not what to do. So when the chief vizier saw him, he cried out, Who art thou, and what wantest thou? Now the back of Shibli Bagarag tingled when he heard the vizier's voice, and he said, I am, O man of exalted condition, he whom men know as Shibli Bagarag, nephew to Baba Mustafa, the renowned of Shiraz. Myself, barber likewise, proud of my art, prepared to exercise it. Then said the chief vizier, This, even to our faces, wonderful is the audacity of impudence. Know, O nephew of the barber, thou art among them that honour not thy art. Is it not written, For one thing thou shalt be crowned here, for that thing be thwacked there? So also it is written, The tongue of the insolent one is a lash and a perpetual castigation to him. And it is written, O Shibli Bagarag, that I reap honour from thee, and there is no help but that thou be made an example of. So the chief vizier uttered command, and Shibli Bagarag was ware of the power of five slaves upon him, and they seized him familiarly, and placed him in position, and made ready his clothing for the reception of fifty other thwacks with a thong, each several thwack coming down on him with a hiss, as it were a serpent, and with a smack, as it were the mouth of satisfaction. And the people assembled, extolled the chief vizier, saying, Well and valiantly done, O stay of the state, and such like to the accursed race of barbers. Now when they had passed before the chief vizier and departed, lo, he fell to laughing violently, so that his hair was agitated, and was as a sand-cloud over him, and his countenance behind it was as the sun of the desert, reflected ripplingly on the waters of a bubbling spring, for it had the aspect of merriness. And the chief vizier exclaimed, O Shibli Bagarag, have I not made a fair show? And Shibli Bagarag said, Excellent fair show, O mighty one. Yet knew he not in what, but he was abject by reason of the thwacks. So the vizier said, Thou lookest lean, even as one to whom fortune oweth a long debt. Tell me now of thy barbercraft, perchance thy gain will be great thereby. And Shibli Bagarag answered, My gain has been great, O eminent in rank but of evil quality, and I am content not to increase it. And he broke forth into lamentations, crying in excellent verse, Why am I thus the sport of all, 
a thing fate knocketh like a ball from point to point of evil chance, even as the sneer of circumstance. While thirsting for the highest fame, I hunger like the lowest beast. To be the first of men I aim, and find myself the least. Now the vizier delayed not when he heard this to have a fair supply set before Shibli Bagarag, and meats dressed in diverse fashions, spiced and coloured, and with herbs and wines and golden goblets, and slaves in attendance. So Shibli Bagarag ate and drank, and presently his soul arose from its prostration, and he cried, Wallahi, the head cook of King Shamshireen could have worked no better as regards the restorative process. Then said the chief vizier, O Shibli Bagarag, where now is thy tackle? And Shibli Bagarag winked, and nodded, and turned his head in the manner of the knowing ones, and he recited the verse, "'Tis well that we are sometimes circumspect, and hold ourselves in witless ways deterred. One thwacking made me seriously reflect, a second turned the cream of love to curd. Most surely that profession I reject, before the fear of a prospective third. So the vizier said, "'Tis well, thou turnest verse neatly.' And he exclaimed extemporaneously, If thou wouldst have thy achievement as high as the wings of ambition can fly, if thou the clear summit of hope wouldst attain, and not have thy labor in vain, be steadfast in that which impelled, for the peace of earth he who leaves must have trust. He is safe while he soars, but when faith shall cease, desponding he drops to the dust. Then said he, Fear no further thwacking, but honor and prosperity in the place of it. What says the poet? We faint when for the fire there needs one spark. We droop when our desire is near its mark. How near to it art thou, O Shibli Bagarag? Know then that among this people there is great reverence for the growing of hair, and he that is hairiest is honored most. Wherefore are barbers creatures of a special abhorrence, and of a surety flourish not. And so it is that I owe my station to the esteem I profess for the cultivation of hair and to my persecution of the clippers of it. And in this kingdom is no one that beareth such a crop as I, saving one, a clothier, an accursed one. And may a blight fall upon him for his vanity, and his affectation of solemn priestliness, and his lolling in his shop-front to be admired and marveled at by the people. So this fellow I would disgrace, and bring to scorn, this shagpat, for he is mine enemy, and the eye of the king my master is on him. Now I conceive thy assistance in this matter, Shibli Bagarag, thou a barber. When Shibli Bagarag heard mention of Shagpat and the desire for vengeance in the vizier, he was as a new man, and he smelt the sweetness of his own revenge as a vulture smelleth the carrion from afar. And he said, I am thy servant, thy slave, O vizier. Then he smiled as to his own soul, and he exclaimed, On my head be it. And it was to him as when sudden gusts of perfume from garden roses of the valley meet the traveller's nostril on the hill that overlooketh the valley, filling him with ecstasy and newness of life, delicate visions. And he cried, Wolalhi, this is fair, this is well. I am he that was appointed to do thy work, O man in office. What says the poet? The destined hand doth strike the fated blow. Surely the arrows fitted to the bow. And, he says, the feathered seed for the wind delayeth, the wind above the garden swayeth, the garden of its burden knoweth, the burden falleth, sinketh, soweth. So the vizier chuckled and nodded, saying, Right, right, aptly spoken, O youth of favor, tis even so, and there is wisdom in what is written. Chance is a poor knave, its own sad slave. 
To meet that word to meet, life's no cheat. Upon that he cried, First let us have with us the eclipser of reason, and take counsel with her, as is my custom. Now the vizier made signal to a slave in attendance, and the slave departed from the hall, and the vizier led Shibli Bagarag into a closer chamber, which had a smooth floor of inlaid silver and silken hangings, the windows looking forth on the gardens of the palace, and its fountains and cool recesses of shade and temperate sweetness. While they sat there conversing in this meter and that, measuring quotations, lo, the old woman, the affianced of Shibli Bagarag, and she sumptuously arrayed, in perfect queenliness, her head bound in a circlet of gems and gold, her figure lustrous with a full robe of flowing crimson silk, and she wore slippers embroidered with golden traceries, and round her waist a girdle flashing with jewels, so that, to look on, she was as a long falling water in the last bright slant of the sun. Her hair hung disarranged, and spread in a scattered fashion off her shoulders, and she was younger by many moons, her brow smooth where Shibli Bagarag had given the kiss of contract, her hand soft and white where he had taken it. Shibli Bagarag was smitten with astonishment at sight of her, and he thought, Surely the aspect of this old woman would realize the story of Banavar the Beautiful, and it is a story marvellous to think of. Yet how great is the likeness between Banavar and this old woman that groweth younger! And he thought again, What if the story of Banavar be a true one? This old woman such as she, no other. So while he considered her, the vizier exclaimed, Is she not fair, my daughter? And the youth answered, She is, O vizier. That she is. But the vizier cried, Nay, by Allah, she is that she will be. And the vizier said, Tis she that is my daughter, tell me thy thought of her, as thou thinkest it. And Shibli Bagarag replied, O vizier, my thought of her is, she seemeth indeed as Banavar the beautiful, no other. Then the vizier and the eclipser of reason exclaimed together, How of Banavar and her story, O youth, we listen. So Shibli Bagarag leaned slightly on a cushion of a couch, and narrated as followeth. End of chapter 1